Hallelujah. 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 God is good. God is so good. Thank you, Jesus. How good is he? How good is he? He's awesome. We worship, we worship him tonight. Um, I just want to take a moment to thank the Lord for the privilege and the honor to be able to come to his house. Lord, we thank you so much. What a great privilege to come in through those doors, to freely be able to come and worship you, Jesus. We're grateful. We're grateful for all that you do, and we're grateful for all that you are. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome to Bible study. I am praying to God that we have an awesome time tonight. Um, I want to welcome, I don't want to forget our online audience. So I want to say hello to our online audience and uh, just want to welcome you as well as you can help me um, tonight. If I forget to say, Yvette, don't forget our, our online family, your family as well. And uh, I'm just going to pray to God that, that the Holy Spirit will lead us. Amen. As you know, we've been discussing uh, the marks of a disciple, right? And so my husband, Hubie, began last week to share with you. So I'm going to repeat just a few little things that um, he mentioned because I want to, you know, I just want to make sure that as we move towards these weeks that we don't, we tend to forget. How many of you are a little forgetful sometimes? Yeah. So um, you know that in the Bible, how many times we might find the word do not fear? Pastor Paul, how many times do you think? 165? 163 times. 365 times. <laughs> so why do you think the Lord keeps repeating stuff? Because sometimes we forget, right? And so he has to repeat to us over and over again, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. So if you hear some things um, that we repeat throughout the weeks, it's because obviously we want... Um, all of us to really get it, right? To really get it. And so I want to start off with um, following through what he did last week and just re, uh, reintroducing what the word Mark is and what the word disciple is. Now, he went through, I believe, four Marks, right? He went through four of them. So I'm going to start at five, right? But let's start with the definition. Who remembers the definition of, of the word marked? Like the marks of a disciple. What is the word marks? Without looking at the paper. Our sister Gladys is going to say something. Say that again? To be stamped. To be stamped. Anybody else? Anything else? Marks. Anybody online? Hello, Tommy. Hello, Quinn. God bless you. Anybody? The word marks. Come on, come on, come on. So we're going to, let's see, the word, it says here, make a visible what? Impression or stain. A written word or a symbol on an object typically for identification purposes. So for instance, in my, on my husband's driver's license, he has a military designation on there. 
And that lets everyone know who's, who ever looks at his license that he was a veteran of the United States of America, right? And so also, um, it's, a, it's a trait or a sign, right? And so that was the word marks. Now, the word disciple of Christ is defined how? Anybody without reading it? But I want you to define disciple for me, disciple of Christ. Come on, come on, come on. Someone who is following Christ and trying to imitate and be like him. Amen, amen. So our definition here, why don't you go ahead and read it, Damilola. Um, read the full definition. You hit it spot on. A disciple is a believer who follows Christ for the purpose of learning from Christ how to be like Christ. This same disciple op- then offers his own imitation of Christ as a model for others to follow. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Amen. So we, we learn from him to be like him, right? If, if Gladys wanted to be like me, what would I need you to do? I need you to follow me. I need you to see what I do, what I like, what I don't like, what ticks me, what doesn't. You know, what makes me happy? What makes me peaceful? She would have to come see me. She would have to spend some time with me in order to get to know who I am. So this is what we're doing tonight, right? We're defining what makes you, what marks you as a disciple of the Lord. Amen? And so I kind of wanted to um, share with you a little bit. I've had the, and I'm going to say a privilege, of um, marrying an amazing man who was also a veteran like I said before, of the United States uh, Army. And I've had uh, quite a few conversations with him regarding uh, what it looked like for him in the beginning. Like, because he left here as one, as one of us, he left here as a civilian, um, and then he goes through this rigorous training and comes back like a different person. How did that happen? What happened? So the first thing that he had to do was what? What does it say here? What's the first thing a soldier has to do? by signing up to be a soldier right so he made a decision right and he signed a contract and there was an oath i hubie burials huberto burials blah 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 the united states of america amen period right and after this oath he's telling them i am committing myself to you I'm committing myself to your rules. I'm committing myself to your regulations. I'm committing myself to your standards. I'm no longer going to do what I want to do. Now I'm going to do what you want me to do because I no longer belong to myself. I belong to you. And so he took on this position. Could you imagine taking on this position at the age of 17, because this is before he was 18 years old. So his parents had to actually sign off so that when he did turn 18, he can go ahead and leave. So at the age of 17, he was already making this decision of giving up his will. I don't think he really knew what he was doing at the moment, but sure enough, it's something that he really wanted to do. And so he signs his contract and then he goes into the next step. He goes into what? Boot camp. And what is, what is boot camp? It's the training 
um, that helps is a training and a discipling process that he has to go through uh-huh. to, in order to become a disciple. Now, what, what do you think are one of the things that could pot- potentially happen at boot camp? Give up. <laughs> I'm done. <You're> not- <laughs> Anybody, what do you think is one of the things that's happening at boot camp? The trainee can lose their life. Yes, they can. He actually almost lost his life twice, but yes, <laughs> this is very true. This is very true. So, but one of the things that they're trying to do is condition you, right? So he's, they need to condition him, right? One of the things they want to do, they want to break his will. So the minute they come in, they sit him on a chair, and there's somebody with what, Javier? Javier has the answer. They, uh, with a buzzer to give him a baldy, pretty much, to buzz his hair Yes. Off. So all of that beautiful hair that he had comes off. Right? So automatically, he looks like a different person. That's one of the first things that they do. And then they go into this training. Do I need to fix this? Okay. Then I need to, then they go into this training. Right? They go into this training. They go into exercising. They got to wake up in the morning. They have to hurry up and get dressed. So there's no time to get dressed. Like you have a whole half hour or an hour to get dressed. It's three minutes. It's three minutes. Come on, get out. Let's go. You got to go run. You got to do this. You got to do that. And then when he sits down to eat, he does this. All right, you're done. Let's go. And he doesn't have much time to eat either. In that whole time, there's this process going on that is just killing his will. And it's breaking his will because it's no longer him doing what he wants to do. Right? It's, it's, it's him doing what they want to do. And guess what happens if you don't do what they want to do? You tell me what happens. You get removed. You get kicked out. You get kicked out. You get kicked out. And now, that might be a little harsh, maybe for today's uh, society, because we're so used to patting people on the back, right? And and everybody, you know, everybody has to be treated nice. No one can be treated badly. But that's not the case. That is, that is a civilian lifestyle, all right? Not a soldier's lifestyle. A soldier's lifestyle, you have to go ahead and do what you have to do. And if you don't like it, you're out. That's the process. And then when he's done with this training, something amazing happens. He's branded. He's branded. Now, he, he he's, has to take off the fatigue, this military fatigue, and he puts on what? He puts on a suit and gets all his badges of everything that he did, right? And then he's, he's, he's walking out, and now he's standing straight, and now he's talking different, and now he's saying, yes, ma'am, no, sir, excuse me, please, and so when Hubie, um, when he was in the military, as you know, our drawers back in the day, we were open and Hubie's was, everything was organized. His, his underwear, his socks, his, everything was, you know, was rolled and it, it, it had its own thing. 
not what my drawers look like. Not what my drawers look like. What his, all right? So he, he obviously that's gone. That's no more. Uh, but this is, this is what it was. This is what it was back then because he was a soldier of the United States of America. So much so that if you were open his drawer, when you took out a t-shirt that said army, back here, the tag had his last name and it said property of the United States. Wow. His last name, burials, everything had burials. Hat burials, t-shirt burials, undergarments burials, 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 burials property of the United States of America because he was a soldier. He was enlisted in this army. And so all that to say, oh my goodness, the time. All that to say, right, is we are also enlisted in, in an army. Amen. And there's someone called the Lord of hosts who is our commander-in-chief. And there's certain ways and certain things that he wants done. And so this is why he's given us scripture. And so we want to we extract a few things tonight from scripture that's going to show us what are the things that make us a disciple? What are some of these marks? Now, before I go, I go there, I want to ask you a question. How would you feel about becoming a soldier in an army such as the one I was just talking about. How would you feel? Anybody? How would you feel, my brother? I think it's going to be difficult, especially if you're a kind of a self-willed person, because all it means they're trying to strip you of your, like you rightly said, break your will, strip you of whatever you were before you, you got in there to make you what they want you to be. Yeah. So uh, if you're someone who, is, uh, who doesn't like taking orders, it won't, it won't be easy. Mm -hmm. You're probably going to drop out or something. Right. And that probably is possibly what I would, I would have done. Right. And how about, how about if you are one of those people that is so attached to your name? My last name, my last name that belongs to my, to my, what, to my father, my father's father, my father's father's father, my last name was no longer means anything. Now, some of us come from cultures that names are big. And I think that I'm in a church where that is the truth. Yes or no? So much so that in, in our congregation, we have naming ceremonies because they mean something, right, Pastor Paul? They mean something. But what if I told you now, Pastor Paul, Akko no longer belongs to Akko? Ah. <laughs> yes. Because it's no longer Akko that lives, but Christ and Akko. So whose name are you taking on now is the question. What marks us as disciples? 
Let's read. I need a really good reader because this is a little long, but, but I want to I wanna read it. How are we doing online? Somebody said, um, <laughs> we, did, we did become soldiers when we became Christians. It's not easy. It's painful at times. How many of you can agree? <laughs> it's painful at times. A good, a good illustration is hereby giving a soldier of Christ. Amen. So we're going to see what that looks like. If someone could please read John 13, 1 through 17, I would greatly appreciate it. So John 13, 1 through 17, and this is the TPT version. And here we go. Verse 1. Jesus knew that the night before Passover would be his last night on earth, before leaving this world to return to the Father's side. All throughout his time with his disciples, Jesus had demonstrated a deep and tender love for them. And now he longed to show them the full measure of his love. Verse 2. Before their evening meal had begun, the accuser had already deeply embedded betrayal into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. 3. Now Jesus was fully aware that the Father had placed all things under his control, for he had come from God and, and was about to go back to be with him. Verse 4. So he got up from the meal and took off his outer robe and took a towel and wrapped it around his waist. 5. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' dirty feet and dry them with his towel. Verse 6. But when Jesus got to Simon Peter, he objected and said, I cannot let you wash my dirty feet. You're my Lord. Verse 7. Jesus said, you don't understand yet the meaning of what I'm doing, but soon it will be clear to you. Verse 8. Peter looked at Jesus and said, you never wash my dirty feet, never. But Peter, if you don't allow me to wash your feet, Jesus responded, then you will not be able to share life with me. Verse 9. So Peter said, Lord, in that case, don't just wash my feet. Wash my hands and my head too. <laughs> Verse 10. Jesus said to him, you are already clean. You've been washed completely. And you just need your feet to be cleansed. But that can be said of all of you. For Jesus knew which one was about to betray him. Verse 11. And that's why he told them that not all of them were clean. Verse 12. After washing their feet, he put his robe on and returned to his place at the table. Do you, do you understand what I just did? Jesus asked. You've called me your teacher and Lord. And you're right, for that's who I am. If I'm your teacher and Lord and have just washed your dirty feet, then you should follow this example that I've set for you and wash one another's dirty feet. Now, do for each other what I have just done for you. I speak to you timeless truth. A servant is not superior to his master, but an apostle, and an apostle is never greater than the one who sent him. Verse 17. So now, put into practice what I've done for you, and you will experience a life of happiness enriched with untold blessings. Amen. Thank you so much. Put on, right? Put into practice what I have done for you, and you will experience a life of happiness enriched with untold blessings. We thank God tonight, right, for his amazing word. We're going to break this down a little bit. Um, like I said before, last week, QB touched on uh, Marks 1, 2, 3, and 4. Now we're going to go to Mark 5, and Mark 5 is 
A disciple practices humility. Someone say that. Amen. So John 13, 4 says, so he got up, Jesus, got up from the meal and took off. So I'm, I'm dressed a little bit like what could potentially look like, right? So Jesus got up and the Bible says that, that he took off, he took off his outer robe. So he had a robe over um, something else that he had underneath and he took it off. And, and the Bible says that he took it and he, he wrapped it around his waist, right? So before we go on, we're going we're gonna to define what the word humility is. And who can read that for me, please? What is humility? It's on there, so you can read it right from there. What is humility? Greek word translated as humility, uh, tapeinu, uh -huh. literally refers to height and suggests making oneself low or close to the ground. Thank you. So the word humility is making oneself low. How low? Close to where? The ground. Am I touching the ground here? Is this low enough? Is this low enough? How about this? Can I go lower? How about that? Okay. Just so that we understand what it is. So let, let's say this. Is it safe to say that no one is born humble? Maybe someone here thinks otherwise. Is there anyone here that thinks that they were born humble? All right. Thank you, Lord Jesus. <laughs> it's, it's safe to say that no one is born humble and it doesn't come naturally. Can we agree on that? But pride comes easily. You ever see, you ever see kids? Did you ever teach kids to be stingy? You ever see little kids? That's mine, that's mine. You never, you never taught them how to say that's mine, but it comes very natural to them. I don't know of too many kids that give out all of their candy and they stay with nothing. I don't know too many kids that do that. And if there is one out there, God bless him. He's a, he's a, he's a, a marvel, right? And so um, Jesus is, is going to teach something here. Jesus is about to teach us something because he's about to teach us something that doesn't come natural. If it came natural, he wouldn't have to teach it because it would already be innate. But he had to go ahead and show something so in order for us to see it and, and, and grab the example from it. So our Lord Jesus Christ demonstrates this, how this is done. He takes off his robe. Now, I want you to say, I want you to know something. Whenever I read this passage, I, I kept thinking about the robe. That he took off his robe. I was like, well, you know, the robe. I was paying attention to the robe. But I wasn't paying attention to the taking off of the robe. Which is what Jesus wants us to look at in this passage. Because that same, that same word that's, that says he took off is the same word. It's the word in Greek, tithimi, right? And it's the word that refers to Jesus' eminent laying down his life. 
So when Jesus was bending and he was on the ground washing the feet of his disciples, it was the same as he was laying his life down for his disciples. Now, remember, Jesus is showing this not just so that we can see it, but so that we can do it. Amen? Are you with me? Amen. So let's go to the next one. We're going to break it down a little bit, and then we're going to do something very beautiful. Um, humility versus weakness. What's the difference? Or why do you think people put it together? Why do you think people normally, when they think of somebody humble, there's like a, a weakness attached to it? Somebody. You want to say something? Yeah. A little louder. Yes. When you are trying to be humble, a lot of people, you know, they will take it as being that you are weak. weak. You are not strong enough. You cannot stand up for yourself. I see you have some kind of fear in you. So. That's right. That is correct. Thank you very much. That is correct. So could Jesus possibly, be, possibly become less God if he took on the form of a servant? So at the cross, why was he being questioned when he said, if you are the Christ, come down. You call yourself the king of the Jews and the king of kings, but you're yet on a cross. So what you're telling me and what you're showing me are two completely different things. Because you're telling me you're the king of the Jews, the king of kings, right? And the Lord of lords. But yet I see a man hanging on the cross. All I see is weakness. Now, Jesus, it's so amazing because Jesus knew exactly what they were telling him. But what they failed to not know is that Jesus didn't belong. He wasn't from this world. So he didn't handle business like the world handles business. Right? In corporate, if you want to go to the top, what do you do? Come on. What do you do? Not what I would do, but what people do generally, they believe you pull people down in order to rise up. You backstab anyone in your way. You get rid of them, you know, just to get there. In the kingdom, is the opposite. In the kingdom, is the lower you get, the higher he exalts you. The lower we become, the higher he exalts us. That's the kingdom. Amen? And so to see something that's humble is not to see weakness, but rather is to see someone submitted to the perfect will of God. Amen? And that is one of the marks of a disciple. Humility. We're talking about humility. Now, there's also a promise to humility. Can someone read that for me? Psalm 138 verse 6. Psalm 138, verse 6. How are we doing online? 
Let's see. Um, someone said, Jesus is the ultimate illustration of a servant leader. Amen. And someone said, wow, I like that. Taking his robe was similar to laying down his life. Yes. Amen. And then um, someone said, pride seems to show strength of character. Proud people are louder and more forward. Their humility is perceived as weakness. That's what someone said. Thank you so much for joining in. So someone has for me Psalm 138, verse 6. Though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lowly. Though lofty, he sees them from afar. Amen. So we've, we've already established that humility is an action word. It's something that we do. It's something that Jesus Christ did. He got up. He, he got up. He took off his robe. Right? We've established that humility is not weakness. And now, we've, now we come to knowing that humility has a promise attached to it. What's the promise? We read it. Let's, let's hear you. Sister Gladys. Well, right here it says, though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly at the lowly. So to those that are humble, he draws near. I'm going to look at you up close. I'm going to touch you. To those who are prideful, how, how close do you want Jesus? Let's exercise humility. Amen? All right. Now, before we go on, I wanted to, to do something tonight because... This has been just pounding in my heart for the last, um, the last week or so. I'm going to invite a sister to come up who's going to help me do something uh, tonight. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you have had your feet washed? Raise your hand. Feet washing meaning... In a church setting, not a pedicure. <laughs> I'm not talking about a pedicure. So let me let me ask that again. How many of you have had your feet washed? This setting right here. How'd you feel, my brother? I felt valued. You know, because it was like it was a pastor that did it, and um, the way I felt. Valued as the pastor could, you know. I mean, it's actually following the following the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. But personally, to experience that in the church, I felt this is the height of servanthood. You know, when you say you're serving the people of God, that was kind of wow. Um, so he, my brother, felt valued. valued absolutely. Who else? Tell me how you felt. Um. Because I was a child when it happened, I felt indifferent to it. Okay. But at the same time, I felt very, you know, I felt very excited because it's not something you would see happen in church. Right. Anybody else? I think Deborah. Deborah, how did you feel? It's a very humbling experience to have someone else wash your feet, especially since it was a pastor. 
that washed my feet. So it almost feels like you shouldn't be doing this. I should be doing this for you. Um, so I definitely felt cared for, loved, secure, um, and like, wow, he, he would do anything for his sheep. Mm, amen. Anybody, I think somebody else raised their hand. Was it you, my sister? No? Was it you, Adesoya, that raised your hand? All right. Now, if I were to pick on you tonight and say, I want to wash your feet, how would you feel? Say that. Go ahead. Say that, Pastor Paul. How would you feel? I would just say, no, thank you. Why would you say no thank you? Why would you say no thank you? Uh, something, it's something I can easily do for myself. Something you can easily do for yourself. Anybody else? If I were to call you over here and say, come on, I'm going to wash your feet. How would you feel? Javier. I personally, I don't like people touching my feet, looking at my feet. <laughs> okay. So it would be a, a no for me. It'll be a no for yeah, you. Yeah, I just, I, very uncomfortable. Okay. Anybody else? Anybody else? Gladys, how would you feel? I, mean, I, I think if, if I'm looking at it in the biblical setting, then it's a, um, I would see that as it was Jesus that was doing it. It's more involved for me. So tonight, this is what we're going to do tonight. <laughs> She's looking at me like, oh my goodness. By the way, uh, Demi Lola has never had this done. She had told me she had a pedicure, but, yeah. but not this, right? And so think about this for one second. Our Lord Jesus Christ is trying to teach us something. And he doesn't do it just by telling us. He does it by showing us, by showing us. And so he takes off the robe that he had on, his outer robe, and he ties it so much so that now he looks like what? What's he look like? I look like a servant. He looks like a servant. So he takes on this posture of a servant, a humble servant, and he goes, what's, what's the Greek word? And he goes down to the ground, to a position now lower than my sister. Now, we're talking about Jesus Christ. I want you to keep that in mind. We're talking about our Lord, our King, God. He comes down. 
and he starts to wash the feet of everyone there. Everyone there. And I want you to go ahead. And he takes water and he starts, I warmed it, it's still warm. It's actually still warm. Is that good? Amen. So he comes down to this position where he's not thinking any longer, am I going to get my hands dirty? Are her feet dirty? Uh, have you done me well? Did you treat me well enough for me to come down here and wash these feet? What have you done for me lately? Why do you deserve me coming down here and washing your feet? What have you done for me? As a matter of fact, you're about to betray me. But yet, I'm going to wash your feet. But yet, I'm going to come down. But yet, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold you higher than myself. This is a true mark of a disciple where we're looking for the interests of others before ourselves. Amen? Now, you do know that the disciples were walking where? Why were their feet dirty? Somebody. Sand, dirt, mud. What else? Were there animals living? Cow dung? Horse? Let's use another word. Dung? Right? And yet people, disciples were walking on that. And our master is in a room where they're accustomed. This is not the first that they know that when you come into a home, there's a host in the home with water waiting to wash your feet because you're coming, you're coming in their home. You're going to eat next to them. Their smell, you're dirty. So they wash your feet. But my question is, how many disciples were in that room? How many disciples took off their outer robes and bent? So who took on this position? Our master. And it's the same position he wants you and I to take. Amen? All right. Here you go. Thank you so much. Now, my question to you. Somebody give her a mic. I'm going to ask her a question. How did you feel? Um, it impacted me a lot. I felt I couldn't put it into words. <laughs> it, it, it was a lot. <laughs> I felt very humbled, very, very emotional. Like I, I could picture Jesus doing it. And I felt like it was really special. 
God is good. He's so good. That brings us to the next mark, which is a disciple is a servant leader. A servant leader. Can someone read for me, please, what's on there? Thank you. The servant leader. Jesus explained his style of servant leadership in relation to the self-seeking and domineering method of leadership that his followers were used to. I'm going to keep going? Yes. The one who rules, Jesus taught, should be like the one who serves. Mm. The one, say that again. The one who rules, Jesus taught, should be like the one who serves. Wow. Now imagine, many of us work in different places and we see our bosses. How many of you have experienced a boss who would never stoop down to your level? Somebody raised their hand back there. Tell me, how did it feel? No, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a different experience, and uh, it's the often common one. But, um, you know, sometimes you have a boss where you can't even, they don't, you don't feel like you could approach them. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's not a good feeling, but it, it happens quite a bit. Amen. Greatness in God's sight is not found in how many people serve the leader, but rather in how faithfully the leader serves others. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says he didn't come to be served. He came to what? To serve. And so serving was not beneath him. So if serving was not beneath him, then guess what? Serving is not going to be beneath us. Right? Somebody keep going. Keep going, Javier. Greatness in God's sight is not found in how many people serve the leader, but rather in how faithfully the leader serves others. Keep going. Followers of Jesus are converted into leaders, and leaders never cease knowing what it means to follow. Wow, keep going. Jesus washing the feet of the disciples is the classic Christian model of how a leader must be a servant. Jesus didn't wait for others to wash his feet. He washed theirs. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? Everyone in that room knew what to do. Everyone in that room knew that when you come into a house, you wash your feet. But no one said, I'll do it. But yet the leader amongst all leaders, the God of gods, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords says, I'll do it. And notice how some of them, he allowed them to do it. Go ahead and do it. And you probably felt really good about it, and that's awesome. But what happened with Peter? Someone tell me. What happened when he got to Peter? You going to tell me, Pastor B? (laughs) 
insisted that he, <laughs> he would not allow the master. I just love Peter. He's so authentic. <laughs> he said, no, it's not. I will not let you do this. Um, but Jesus did not allow him to. But he wanted to wash the master's feet. So Peter's like, ew. Something like a lot of us here were saying, right? Oh, no, you're not going to touch my feet, right? Javier is like, no, I don't want to touch my feet, right? And you, have others, and you have others probably embarrassed, or maybe the women are like, I haven't had a pedicure. I'm not taking off my socks. Right? Is it true or false? True, all right? Some people might think, I don't really have the cutest feet, so I don't want to show them to anybody. Okay. So in this case, we have Peter who is saying, I'm not going to let you do that. How can you do, how you stoop so low? Aren't you Jesus? How can you stoop so low? And Jesus said, what? What did he say? Come on, we know the story. We just read it. What did Jesus say? Somebody say it on the mic. Jesus said, you will not be able to share life with me. And Peter responded, then wash everything, <laughs> my feet, my head, everything. Amen. So Peter, I don't know if Peter got it, but he was like, just wash, wash everything, Lord. Right? Because Jesus was trying to teach him something. Jesus was trying to teach Peter. Oh, Pastor, to say something? I think in that sense, Peter was the more thoughtful person right. uh, of the disciples. Uh, because, I mean, the other probably were wondering what is going on. Mm -hmm. uh, because they all knew the implication of this. Uh, washing of feet was common. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was something re reserved for the least right. servants. Every house. I mean, most households in those days of really issue, they would have a... Uh, water thing in the front of their house, then because they don't want it to bring dirt. It's a desert right. area, it's dirty, people wore sanders. Uh, so usually when you come into someone's house, they want you to wash your feet before you come in because you're bringing a lot of stuff in. Right. Uh, so you do it yourself. But in the houses of people who are well-to-do, that have servant, the least servant is, that's their job. Mm. So in everybody's mind, they associate that with what the least person would do. Mm. So you can imagine the shock factor. I mean, when uh, Jesus began to wash the feet. I mean, so Peter, I think, reacted the way a normal person would react. Right. A more thoughtful person. I mean, like, right. it's not going to happen. I mean, that's really... Uh, I mean, I will be happy to wash your feet, Jesus, right? But the other, the other way around is not going to work. So I think Peter, in a sense was a lot more thoughtful person. Right. And thankfully, his reaction actually brought a much deeper truth. Mm. Uh, because without his reaction, it would have just gone like that, right? Right. Then Jesus now followed up with, look, I mean, if I don't wash your feet, you won't be part of me. I think that's important. My question, though, which I think is for us to consider, I don't think the washing of feet will have the same shock factor to us here what are things we can do today that mm. to each other to what because Jesus says, I want you guys to watch it, wash each other's feet. 
uh, is this something we have to do literally now that we will, will it have the same effect or Jesus is trying right. to teach us to serve each other? And what are ways, mm. we, how can we apply this right. today? So it's not just head knowledge. I know Jesus washed feet and things like that. But how can we as today's Christians uh, and as leaders to really mm-hmm. wash each other's feet? You know, how do we apply this in today's context? Amen. Thank you, Pastor. That's a great question. So how do we apply? My sister over there. So um, just another thought came into my mind. I know we were really, like, highlighting humility. But, you know, just how we were saying how when you think of feet, you know, it's going through dirt, it's going through mud. It's pretty gross when you think about it. Um, Mm -hmm. But it also ties into, like, what we learned about last week. And it's like, do you really have love for people? Mm-hmm. So to think, just like if you think about it, if you, just what you did on stage, like you really have to have love for people to actually even want to even, you know, even get near people too. Not even just wash their feet, to even come close to them like you did um, over there. So this also just really highlights that yes, um, Jesus' example was about humility, but it also reminds me we also have to have love for right. people. And I remember last week, for me personally, that's one of the questions I asked myself because, you know, the message was like, you know, put the mirror up. Like, what is it about right. you? So you have to ask, like, do you really have love for people? And I think that's how we could possibly, you know, do this now in regular life, right. modern life right now. Right. Amen. So what are, what are some of the ways, like Sister Gladys can call me and say, Miss Yvette, you know, I don't have food in my house. And I could turn around and I can say, Lord, please provide. Lord, that you may provide Gladys' household. Lord, you, you are Jehovah Jireh, God. You are her provider. And go back home and go to bed. Have I washed her feet? Absolutely not. So what would I do? I'd go grocery shopping, I'd knock on her door, and I'd say, my lovely sister, here you go. If you need anything else, please let me know. If I can't do it for you, I'm going to try to find someone who can do it. How else can we do it? Someone's sick. Someone calls you. They're sick in the hospital. What do you do? Lord Jesus, we just pray for their well-being, God. God be with them, Lord. Some of us, I I know our pastor does it quite frequently. Um, He may not say it, but I think I could say it for him. He goes out of his way. He'll go. He'll make that house call. He'll knock on that door. He'll go to that hospital room. And we can do the same. Anytime we do things like that, practical things like that, we're showing the love of Christ and we're washing someone's feet. Sometimes it makes us uncomfortable because we have to come out of our schedules, our busy schedules, right? So sometimes I'm so busy. How can I now go to Pastor Paul's house? Pastor Paul, I got things to do, you know? But yet the love of Christ moves me. And now I have to become low to serve you because you are in need. And I'm looking out for your needs before I look out for mine. And when that happens, guess who's looking out for my needs? Christ. Amen. And if there's anyone I want looking out for my needs, it's Jesus Christ. Amen. Anybody else? One more. Pastor, Pastor B. 
Yeah, another way we can... A little can, closer, Pastor. Yeah, another way we can show these... Um, Go ahead. Yeah, another way we can show... Um, anything that takes us out of our comfort zone. Mm. Anything that can take us out of our comfort zone. Even showing, paying attention to people that no one sees. You know, it's easy to respond to a call, you know, you know, somebody who is a worker, is a leader, but someone who anyone doesn't see. Um, going on a missions trip. Mm. I mean, maybe not everyone is called to missions, but sometimes when you think about going to a place where you're not going to have your, the type of food you like, the type of, just going to a place that is uncomfortable. A lot mm. of believers will rather say, I, I'll just send my money. No, I want to, things like that. Yes. And going to be in a, a mission trip is just something that comes to mind. You know, you see kids who are not, probably haven't taken shower and you, can you still hug them? Right. Can you still carry them? Right. Just, there's so many things really, but that's just what comes to mind. Yes, yes. Amen. Amen. And our sister Ananike says, Listening to one another in times when someone needs to have someone hear them out. Sometimes we have to make that kind of time because maybe there is a brother or sister who, who you're probably saying, oh, no, not them again. And you're turning around, but maybe this time around you need to stay there for just a, just a moment and just listen. And that'll go very far. Amen? So what time is it? 8.05. Okay. We got to go through this quickly. But God is good. He's been talking to us tonight. Amen. Mark number seven. A disciple is able to submit to God's word. Those God has placed in leadership and those who are in community with him and be held accountable. Somebody read for me. Submission. Greek word is upotasso. Mm -hmm. Amen. That sounds good. Which means to put under or arrange under. Example, our Lord Jesus Christ was submissive. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ was submissive. He came down to earth. He died on the cross of Calvary. He fulfilled his mission. Next, a disciple is submissive to what? So what does John 14, 15 say? And while someone's looking for John 14, 15, I need another person looking for Hebrews 13, 17. So a disciple is submissive to the word. What does John 14, 15 say? Somebody right here. Nice and loud, okay? If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. So a disciple is submissive to the word. He keeps the commandments of God. Number two, a disciple is submissive to those God placed in authority. What does Hebrew 13, 17 say? Arisoye, thank you. Hebrews 13, 17. And while Arisoye is... is is doing that. I'm going to read here. Um, Tunde says, lifting our brethren in prayer, 
Prayers of intercession, yes. Also, another way of washing someone's feet. So, Adesoya, disciple is submissive to those God placed in authority. Okay, I'm reading Amplified Version. Um, obey your spiritual leaders and submit to them, continually recognizing their authority over you, for they are constantly keeping watch over your souls and guarding your spiritual welfare as men who will have to render an account of trust. Do not do your part to let them do this with gladness and not with sighing and groaning. For that, for that would not be profitable to you either. Amen. So a disciple is submissive to God's, uh, who God placed in authority. Anyone here, this is BC, before Christ. Anyone here, before Christ, had a problem with authority? Maybe sub submission. Oh, wow. Thank you for your honesty. Let me hear you. Yes, I had a huge problem with um, submitting to authority because of pride. I used to think that I knew better than everybody, that no one could run my life. It was my choice, my decision, and if anyone countered that, then they're wrong and I'm right. But when I gave my life to Christ, I was like, whoop, <laughs> completely wrong. <laughs> so. what, what, what changed when you gave your life to Christ? What changed was his kindness. When I realized that his leadership was not forceful, but was out of love and kindness, mm. it really circumcised my heart. And wow. I was like, man, I'll do anything you tell me to do. My God. Woo. She said it circumcised her heart so much so that now she just says, what do you want me to do? And she does it. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that what happens to our hearts when we give our lives to Christ? And he, he circumcises, the Bible says that he takes away the heart of stone and puts a heart of flesh. And now with that heart of flesh, we're able to see his kindness and his goodness. And, 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 submit, and submitting now becomes a joy, right? So submitting now to our authorities now is a joy. To submit now to our pastors, it's a joy, man. So now we're no longer a burden to our pastor. We're not going to be a burden to Pastor G-Day. Amen? Somebody confess it. I'm not going to be a burden to Pastor G-Day. Amen? Amen. So what else? Did somebody say something? Lifting our burden? Okay, I said that. So we're not going to do that. Amen. And for that matter, none of the leadership here in Ahau. Amen? Amen. That was very little amen. Okay. A disciple submits to others and is held accountable. Someone read Ephesians 5.21, and we are wrapping up. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Amen. So we're, when we're submitting to one another, what's the way of submitting to one another? What's the way of submitting to one another? I think in another verse it says, look not only to your interest, but also the interests of others. Right. So keeping in mind the other person's desires, needs before your own. And how, does somebody, how can someone hold you accountable? You mean like in terms of is someone... If you gave that authority to someone here and say, I want you to hold me accountable, how would you want them to hold you accountable? I guess, follow up with me if I'm doing it. I don't know. <laughs> you want to say something, Pastor Paul? 
uh, we submit to one another. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. We literally obey each other. Mm. And we uh, allow others to hold us accountable. That means anytime you blow it, we allow them to speak to your life. Amen. To correct you. We Amen. accept correction. Amen. To accept correction, which is one. I mean, we can go on and on with different marks of a, of a disciple, but that's also another one, the ability to accept correction. Amen. All right. So thank you, Jesus, for this class. It's 812. I want to end with this. Blessed are those, right, who not just hear the word, but are doers of the word. So we pray tonight that in the name of Jesus, his Holy Spirit would help us that all these illustrations and and these different marks that we spoke about, that your Holy Spirit would, would help us, help us to be able to show these marks, help us to be able to live out these things that a disciple is supposed to live out. Help us exercise the spirit of humility, Lord. Help us exercise the spirit of, of servant leadership, of, of, of being able to serve others above ourselves. Help us, Jesus Christ, be able to submit to your word and help us to be able to submit to one another in the name of Christ Jesus. Someone say amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God is so good. God is so good. So now we're going to...